This conference will now be recorded. Um, I'm sorry. I'd like to get a little pre pre interview recorded. Oh yeah, we're getting we're recording stuff. Second. Yeah, so I was at the bike shop, you know, uh, lightening my wallet quite a bit, supporting local businesses a little bit, a little bit too much. Um, yeah, no, that's cool though. I mean, I love I love everything you guys are about with run local and support local businesses, and uh, you know, I've I've felt that way for years and years, and you guys are really, uh, you know, taking that campaign to a, um, a really terrific level. Yeah, it's and I think. I think that'll be some of our topic today. We want to talk a little bit about the history of of Across the Bay and also Rodeco in general, um, yeah. how you got into it. And then it all kind of coming back to us finding a way, even if it's not in person, to keep some of this tradition alive, right? To keep yeah. some of the tradition in San Francisco alive um, right. in getting to that point. Um, I know Josh, when we do these podcasts, he he loves to have the guests kind of introduce themselves it's kind of like your own bio or how you see yourself how you describe yourself kind of so i think that'll be josh's first question and then okay. we really make it up as we go along from there yeah sounds good that's just basically that how good. we operate day to day anyway so <laughs> we, have, we have one good question that we push on to someone else and then we just make the rest <laughs> of the shit up as we go <laughs> I love it. Um, um, so, so, Dave, when you're when you're ready to rock and roll, we can get after it. Yeah, I'm ready to go, guys. Episode something, Josh. Episode something. I think it's like six or seven, but this is the Run Local Podcast, the podcast where we invite guests across the spectrum of society, including elite athletes, entrepreneurs, local legends, and beyond. We utilize the sport of running to learn more about these individuals, their local community, and what they're doing to change the world. We believe in the power of movement and doing the doable at a local level. So, Unlike, unlike other podcasts, we always, you know, we have different, we have different hosts every time. Today it's Josh and I together. We are here with Josh Muxon, my co-host of the Run Local podcast. Josh, I couldn't do it without you. Well, that's true, JT. You really couldn't. Uh, but it's great to be back, nonetheless. Uh, always a good time um, to have a have a chat with you, uh, no matter how long or how short it is. Um, but or today. With today, it's it's actually pretty fantastic because we are keeping it truly local to the core. Um, you brought on a very special guest through your connections. You've known him for, through a lot of years, and if you are a local Bay Area runner, um, we've, you've experienced in some form or fashion his influence uh, on the sport of, of running overall. Um, tremendous for about the last the last 40 years or so, 35 years of running the business, years running it, something along those lines. Um, but I'm not doing it justice. So Dave Rody, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. It's uh it's good to uh, you know come back after a few years out of it and uh talk about running, especially running local. I love it. Yeah, well Dave, uh, I know a lot of folks uh, we were talking a little bit earlier before we went live on the show uh, about our one big question that we have and then how we make it up as we go along afterwards, but um one thing that that I think folks need to know is is 
who you are, Dave, in your in your own words. Uh, you mind giving us a little bit of an introduction, a little insight into how you uh, how you think about yourself? Yeah, and I'll I'll try not to ramble on. Feel free to cut me off. You know, hey, I'm an old guy. We ramble. Um, <laughs> but my yeah. So uh, Dave Rohde, and um, I was a race director for 34 years. Um, my my company that I um, partnered with my wife Kathy on. We operated for 34 years, put on 680 some runs, and had uh, a million and a half finishers. And all of the running events we did were all local Bay Area runs, and all were for um, various nonprofits. Now, however, I, for the last year or two, I am a climate activist working with the Climate Reality Project. Wow. Wow, all those, uh, well, I don't know which I'm wowing over. There's a lot of things to wow over on that one, but I, I'm very curious. All those, I'm all wowing those finishers, at the 1.5. Yeah, 1.5 yeah. million finishers. All those are hand-timed, right? Uh, well, you know, come on, I'm not that old. To the latter <laughs> 10 years, we did have chip timing. But you know what? And so this is a nostalgic point on, on finish line timing. When finish line timing all went uh, with, you know, with uh, uh, chip timing, uh, there were so many runners who didn't understand how we had ever timed uh, races before. And yet there was this really incredible system, which uh, is, you know, still actually it's functional, but nobody uses it. We timed. Well, like our biggest race uh, back in the day was run to the far side with 14,000 runners. And in a 5K and 10K, and we timed everybody. Everybody was timed, and it was just this miraculous system set up by another old legend, Case Tunzing, um, who uh, had a company called uh, Total Race Systems and published a magazine called The Schedule Magazine, which is, in those days, how we all found out about races. Uh, but anyway, the system was there, you know. We did it. That's cool. And yeah. so that that was where they would like type in the bib number or like where they or just keeping it in order um, of the off. of the finish with shoots. Well, here's how here's how it worked in a nutshell. Um, it was um, and and uh, you know it was 1984 when I got into the business. There were computers then, guys. There were computers. <laughs> and so everybody who registered and registration, of course, was not online. The internet didn't exist. It was all paper registration, and we had this wonderful woman who did most of the data entry. But all the data, um, just like you would register now online, all that data was in a computer program. Um, and uh, what we used at the finish line itself was uh, were barcodes. And so the there was a tear-off tag at the bottom of the bib number that were collected in order of how people crossed. And that was a really interesting system because you used this elaborate shoot system shifting from one shoot to the next so that they wouldn't back up, collecting the yeah. bid numbers in order. Uh, but somebody was standing at uh, the finish line itself, actually just punching a button every time somebody crossed yeah. the line. And that data then was matched up with the order of the um, bib numbers. Um, and and was that data was entered by just barcode reading. So it was a combination of computers and barcodes and an elaborate shoe system, which was, you know, really – the invention of case tending really it was it was an amazing operation. You know, Dave, that was I, I remember it because I, the one of the very first races that I ever ran um, was uh, Lilac Bloomsday up in Spokane, and they had oh, like, yeah. forty sure. people, and so that was their big thing was to time it. 
But the crazy thing about that is um, that's the timing's pretty fantastic as it is. But the thing that always blew me away is you didn't find out your results until you read about it in the paper, right? right. They, this, yeah. thing, this thing called a newspaper, and uh, that was always like a big, a big insert in there. You're like, oh yeah, there's my name. It's in print. It's like legit. That yeah, always right. blew me away. Did you well, guys do no, that? With it was fun, uh, and it, early on in the, um, you know, what eventually became Across the Bay 12K, it started off as Hands to Hands, um, and, you know, in the early years of it, we recruited the Marin Independent Journal. A lot of runners were from Marin, and, of course, the race was, um, well, actually, it was originally from San Francisco to Marin, uh, and then reversed a few years into it, but the Marin Independent Journal published all of the finishers uh, times and ages. And it was, you know, like people just love that because, you know, and we also though followed it up with, in those days, everybody published a post race finisher magazine. Uh, we'd actually uh, publish photos with all the times, all the results and the whole thing. And every runner would then get in the mail, this, this small magazine that was, you know, all the data from that run that year. It was, a hell of a lot of work, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like, and a lot of paper for yeah. a climate. Yes, a lot of a lot of wasted paper. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're making up for lost time now with your new role. Uh, well, you know, I do um, feel like I'm doing that in some ways. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? We're oh. chatting about JT and I were chatting about the, the actually the hula hands the hula hands uh, event. Um, and I knew that there, I mean, I get the concept. I love the idea. Um, the 12K is always like, there's a few like iconic 12Ks on the West Coast. And obviously, Hula Hands to Hula Hands across the Bay is is uh, is one of them in my books, Beta Breakers, uh, Bloomsday, as we mentioned before. But they all have a, a unique origin story. And I would love to know, I, how did you get involved uh, with this with this event and, and build it up to, you know, the, the yeah, well, yeah, I um, in fact, I'm, I'm going to write a, a story that uh, I think, uh, JT, you're going to put up on the website about uh, the actual production of the first race. But the background is is um, it, it, it's OK, it's weird. I was a burned out social worker. Uh, I was uh, working uh, and when the first AIDS crisis developed and uh, in the early 80s and, you know, just simply took a break from social work. I'd been at it for nine years um, and um, became a waiter at Holohan's restaurant on Fisherman's Wharf. And what I loved about it is I ran to work every day. I ran home from work every day. I just ran. And I, you know, because I was just sort of shifting gears of my life, I decided I wanted to do a one-of-a-kind run. So I got Houlihan's Restaurant, which was a chain at that point, to sponsor me on a run from Newport Beach, their southernmost California restaurant, to Sausalito, their northernmost Houlihan's Restaurant. And so, you know, ran uh, somewhere around 580 miles in 31 days. I mean, excuse me, 19 days, uh, approximately 31 miles a day. And, you know, just uh, I did it as a fundraiser for Special Olympics at the time, but I just did it to do it. I just wanted to see if I could do it. I'd just gotten into ultra distance running. And, you know, Hohans, uh, you know, <laughs> they said, OK, we don't know what the hell that's about, but we'll do it. <laughs> well, after I, they sponsored me on that uh, run and, and, it, you know, it came off pretty well. I was amazed that I was able to do it, but uh, I owed them a favor. 
And so the following year, so this was 1983 when I finished that run. I finished it on St. Patrick's Day at Houlihan's uh, on Fisherman's Wharf. And the following year, they, 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 you know, they came to me and said, hey, we've got an idea. Why don't we put on a big run with everybody involved and uh, run from Houlihan Sausalito to, or excuse me, Houlihan San Francisco to Houlihan Sausalito across the bridge. And because I owed him a favor, I jumped into it. And um, I had, I had, I had no longer a waiter. I'd taken a job at City Sports Magazine, which was one of the uh, publications locally that covered, you know, sports like that. Um, but I, they, they, they weren't involved. It was just me. <laughs> I just figured it out hmm. as I went along, and uh, we pulled it off. And it was, uh, you know, like there were. It was me and my best friend set up the entire course and then ran in the race itself. And then we had this blowout party back on Fisherman's Wharf. What we did is we ferried all the finishers back across the bay from Sausalito back to San Francisco and had this huge party. And Joe Montana showed up. He had just won his first Super Bowl. And it just, you know, it just uh, made some headlines for us. And and that was it. From then on, I, I didn't do any advertising at all. People just kept asking me to put on running events because they thought that I knew what I was doing. <laughs> you tricked them. You tricked them, Dave. Smoke and mirrors, baby. Smoke and mirrors. I feel like I've been tricking them for about 10 years myself right now. Uh, <laughs> I just... I just picture like you and your buddy running behind everybody else, picking up cones along the way as you're making your way back at the same time. Well, it was, yeah, I think it was like, yeah, it was, I, I was exhausted. In fact, there's this old photo. Uh, I'll see if I can dig it up. Uh, when I did the award ceremony with Joe Montana and uh, I first met Joe and we're up at Houlihan's restaurant uh, on the wharf there. And there's this photo of the two of us and I'm not even looking at Joe, and Joe's just standing there kind of bored. I'm just looking out the window, which actually was second story, so I could see across the bay to where we, you know, to to the, I could see the whole course from up there, basically. <laughs> and I'm just standing there, uh, you know, just after like you run a marathon, uh, because basically yes, that's what it was that day. And I was just looking out the window thinking, oh, my God, we pulled this off. And I yeah, was like, Oh, Joe, you're there. Uh, you know, it was, it was, yeah, it was a funny moment. That's yeah. interesting. I, I think of this, uh, Dave, a little bit once in a while when you think back to those first races you produced in Create and you laugh at some of the things you did, you know, like at those, <laughs> like, what was I thinking moments or like, why did we do it that way? When you yeah. learn otherwise. Learn laugh oh. at the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, is there any moments like that, or is there anything specific you can remember of being like, what was I, what was I thinking in those early days? Well, yeah, there were plenty of those. <laughs> there, were, uh, there were just loads of those. Uh, what was I thinking, and and why didn't we, uh, why didn't we consider this possibility? I mean, one of the early years um, when we were still running, I think we did the first three years, went from San Francisco to Sausalito, and then. Sausalito kicked us out. Um, we were bringing too many people into their small town. And mm. so we ended up having to figure out a reverse course. Uh, so we didn't finish in Sausalito. But anyway, uh, one of those early years, when we were going across the bridge, you know, uh, north, uh, and we're on the west walkway. And um, I'm at the finish line already. And I get a call over the walkie-talkie that the gate on the north walkway uh, is locked. 
Oh, no. Well, the runners are about five, five minutes. The lead runners are about five minutes from hitting that gate. And uh, for some reason, somebody had relocked the gate thinking it should have been. And, you know, it was one of those, why didn't I have a guard there? Why didn't I <laughs> think that maybe somebody would come along and relock it? Uh, and all I was picturing was uh, it was three and a half thousand runners hitting that gate and climbing over the damn fence because I knew they weren't going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> runners don't stop. You can't stop. No, nope, nope. I mean, they would have busted it down for Christ's sake. So uh, it in the nick of time, I mean, literally with less than a minute to go, we were able to get a, uh, a bridge officer to uh, unlock the gate and get oh. it open just in time. Yeah. Yep. Stuff like that. And then, you know, years later, just like you guys, the amount of staff you have and volunteers out there, you're basically watching for every little thing like that that go, could go wrong, right? Yeah. You almost yeah. have to. And the, the level of expectations has risen over the last 30 years, I think, yes. as well, from, from the runners of, of before it was you, you run from here to here and just figure it out. Now it's, it's kind of a hand holding um, and, and high fiving and, and, all of the things in between um, to make sure that they can yeah. Well, that 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 is something that that went on a huge arc um, after the first, I would say, five or six years that we're in business. The expectation levels and and it, partly it came out of the volume of runners in the you know the earlier running days. Um, you really had runners who were they considered themselves runners. Um, yeah. We recognized that about ten years in that the whole the whole um, demographic had shifted. And, and those early days, you know, if that's all pe those people did. They were just runners. They didn't they didn't bike. They didn't do triathlons. They didn't think of themselves as anything else but a runner. And they they were proud of it and took responsibility for the fact that they were supposed to knew they were supposed to know the course that was in the rules. They were supposed to know the course ahead of time, and they couldn't they couldn't complain if they got lost. And uh, they knew that the rules included staying, you know, within a cone lane, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, they knew to look for directional arrows that we chalked on the roads. All those things were, were part of the rules and everybody accepted it. But that, you know, actually changed quickly as the masses uh, came into play. And, and, you know, you had a lot of people who were new to it. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Which is like, I mean, it's great to be able to share that experience for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think this, it's the interesting piece is like the, the success uh, of all that, those mass produced races that d don't seem to have a, a have a face um, grew and grew and grew. And now at least like thinking about some of the, the, the run local events or those traditional events and, and what made them great. It's almost like I, I feel like there's a bit of a, a revisiting of that, whether that's through folks coming from out of out of area to come into the city and make it more of like a, a local experience um, right. when they're participating in an event now. Um, I you know find that kind of arc interesting as as well. Well but, and and you know what I what I love about you know across the Bay 12K and I, I'm just you know absolutely delighted that that uh, that JT and 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 his whole crew um, took over that event to continue it is it well one it's the oldest continuous running uh, race across the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, so I forget what, I, I guess I'm just bad at math. It's 2020 <laughs> and it started in 84. So how many years? But uh, so, but the, but the thing I love about it is 
the Golden Gate Bridge being the highlight of it, being, you know, the, the bridge is so iconic to the Bay Area. And I think, you know, whether you live in San Francisco or any one of the nine Bay Area counties, you still relate to the Golden Gate Bridge as being, you know, the symbol of the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and crossing it is, is really a marvelous thing as a runner. And it's it's sort of, it's like, uh, it binds us together in a way, I think, that um, we sometimes forget. And, uh, uh, and, and doing it locally, you know, with local runners. And um, so it's sort of like, um, a form of our allegiance to each other as Bay Area citizens um, mm-hmm. and as runners. I love yeah. that. And, and it's, yeah. it's really one of the big reasons that I couldn't let it die. I think there was even a, a notification from, from Rhodey of being like, you, you were looking to, you know, it was going to be the first year it wasn't going to happen, right? About five yep. years ago. And I saw the note and I was like, I want to run that race again. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't want that to happen. So if I'm yeah. feeling that way, I can only imagine the thousands of people in the past um, from from years yeah. and years and years and around the country, around the world, and then especially those from here that didn't want yeah. to see it go. And we well, were I, was, I, was, I was just so, so grateful. It, it was just, you know, we, you know, uh, my wife Kathy and I, um, you know, just realized that we were at a point where we were n- not really up for the year-by-year challenge uh, with that. And yeah. one of the myths that I, you guys I know recognized early on is that once you get a race going, it's like, oh, all you do is just replicate it the next year, right? Easy peasy. Right. <laughs> and that is just that is just so wrong, particularly with uh, across the bay. There was. Every year there was some major struggle, and it, and some of it had to do with permits, and uh, some of it had to do with incredible weather, and uh, we even had a showdown once with Dick Cheney, um, who <laughs> wanted—I'm not kidding—he wanted to land his Chinook helicopter on Chrissy Field, uh, and wanted to do it, which would have been in the middle of the race, and wanted us to, and was going to bar our our race and our course. Uh, we couldn't run anywhere near where Vice President Dick Cheney was going to land. That guy could be a bigger pain in the ass already. Now we started yeah. across the bed. Yeah. We, we, we had a showdown in the media. We, 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 just, we just said, all right, Mr. Cheney, do you want to tell 5,000 runners they can't do this race tomorrow? Do you want that? <laughs> we just put out a press release to that extent, and uh, we won. Cheney backed down. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And I've had not too many people he's backed down from uh, before or since. That is, that is awesome. You, you know, you bring up a good point, though, about the permitting, because I think that event, it's uh, it's city, uh, state, and federal permitting that goes on. Um, right. In yep. addition, and I, I don't know, the city might be the toughest permit to get. Um, yeah. But well, that, the complexities hmm. of that is always growing, right? Well, yeah, I mean it is it is a lot of different levels of permitting and in the early days the city was the toughest part. Uh but the rules kept changing as GGNRA for example, you know, developed new rules about um use of, you know, any federal land and that be, that that was federal guidelines. Uh but I'll tell you the the most consistent uh and I'm not saying this just because I work with them now, but the Golden Gate Bridge was the most consistent in being supportive and straightforward when it came to permits, except one year, and that was 2003, uh, the year the United States invaded Iraq, um, because at that point, the Golden Gate Bridge had come under the jurisdiction of Homeland Security. But Golden Gate Bridge was was really, 
the most supportive, in fact, helped us solve problems when things came up on either side of the bridge, um, and, and they're terrific. I, I now work with the bridge uh, on my climate work and um, working with some of my, my folks. We got them to pass a climate emergency resolution last year, and I've really gotten to know the board of directors and the management even better, and I, I understand now why uh, the bridge is um, uh, you know was so good to work with. They're not only are iconic, they they really pride themselves on being the heart of the Bay Area. The people mm. who run the bridge are really cool people. I mean, it, uh, it, it's been borne out uh, since I got out of the business. Yeah, that's so cool. And we've had similar experiences working with the, the Bridge Authority. Yep. Just, just yep. straightforward. Um, yep. Yep. All of this, I wish, I wish we were dealing with the Dick Cheney uh, helicopter landing this year, and I wish we were just dealing with difficult permits uh, like yep. we normally yep. This year we've got a whole new, a whole new can of worms um, that unfortunately is is going to force us to do the event in a different in a different way this year. We we recognize that tradition is important, but now we have across the bay in the in the time of COVID nineteen, um, and we just can't have mass participation events at this time. Um, so this is this episode's going to be coming out when we're we're kind of telling our our runners that which is going to be a huge disappointment because they love that bridge um but we're trying to find a way to keep this tradition going which is a, a big reason we reach back out to you um to talk about the tradition of the event to talk about 1984 and to talk about how in 2020 we're going to run this virtually and and still encourage people to get out and get outside and and take pictures of that bridge and and do it on their own or in a small group or with their their uh, people, whoever they're quarantining with, we'll see what the rules are in July. Um, but what what are your thoughts, Dave, on on this pivot and on this move to to moving it to virtual and trying to just keep it alive? Well, I, you know, obviously there's there's no choice in that for you guys, and and I know that's a very 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 difficult uh, place to be with it. Uh, I can't imagine uh, being in that position and and uh, you know in this current environment of the lockdown due to the pandemic. Uh, but yes, I think it's very important to to keep the spirit of it alive, and and that's what doing it virtually can 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 be about um, is showing that kind of unity that I think, as I said, I think the event and I think the, the Golden Gate Bridge I think can be such a unifying thing. Um, and if there's ways for people to say do the run, I mean, you can still run across the bridge. I, I mm -hmm. think there's some new hours. You can go to the website and find out. Um, but if you can't do that, you can, um, you know, hey, do a, do a 12K run and then just Photoshop the Golden Gate Bridge in behind <laughs> you, just, you know, symbolically, you know, everybody knows how to do that, even me. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I think it is so important to show to show this kind of, of community spirited um, unity and, and 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 doing a virtual across the Bay 12K is a great way to do it. Yeah. And. Josh, you're going to be, I want to find a way to get you to, to announce. We're going to get you on an announcing clip because you're usually at our finish line at all of our run local events. And we're going to need you just randomly cheering people on on the internet. The entire oh, time. man, you know what we should do? We could, we could, uh, we could do something where we uh, announce like someone's entire virtual uh, event. Without <laughs> <laughs> that all. Like from... As soon as they wake up in the morning, straight through, we'll play, do a play-by-play. -play. There he goes to the bathroom. He's as regular as a. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Those are great ideas. I love it. 
Um, so what, I mean, what's Look really at stir that oatmeal. <laughs> oh, there she goes, reaching for the dog leash. You know, the whole uh, thing. Everyone gets their run today. Um, but what, what I'm excited about is potentially bringing people back to the city, but in a safe way. You know, people have been stuck in their homes, whether they be in San Jose or the East Bay or up in Marin, and finding a way to make almost an excursion. So, you know, we're working on a way to to create a, a course that maybe you can go out and back on the bridge, running from Sports Basement, one of our great sponsors down in the Presidio. Um, then maybe go check out San Francisco, who who is uh, the apparel apparel sponsor that uh, designs all our shirts every year, and show show your bib there for a discount. Maybe pop by Anchor Steam or Sufferfest. We're gonna work out all these details, but um, I think it could be cool to create kind of a passport back into San Francisco to support local business um, around just having a, a fun 12K on the on the back. Well, JT, I need before Dave chimes in. I'm willing if you need me to. I'm gonna go ahead and take this one for the team and make a little bit of personal sacrifice myself. As I, I'm willing to to you know make sure that uh, those anchor steams are are consumed um, in an appropriate fashion as post race events permit. You know, yeah. so I can do that on my own. I'm very curious what Dave wants to do. <laughs> 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 I, I like it. Yes. Well, um, yes. Anchor steams. Um, ahoy. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, ab absolutely. And, you know, by the way, I, I didn't mention this in the history of the event. I think uh, somewhere along the line, we, we may have dropped the line. But the original tagline for this race was a celebration of running. That's what it oh. said on the back of all the finisher T-shirts. It was hula hands to hula, a celebration of running. And, uh, you know, I think that which is why we uh, always had a beer sponsor and uh, it was we always tried to have a great party at the end and I think the, keeping that tradition alive is only right. I love that and you know what we are in the process of designing the 2020 shirt with our friends at San Francisco and I think a celebration of running might need to make a comeback here uh, because yeah. that's really what it is like, that's what we're trying to do is a celebration of running a celebration of the Golden Gate Bridge a celebration of San Francisco um, and, and keeping a tradition alive in the only way that we can. It's like doing yeah. the doable, and, and this yeah. is what this is what we've got. And and you can also celebrate uh, and, and a little more even more serious side to this, and that is your ongoing support for the Edgewood Center for Children and Families. Edgewood the uh, was the charity that I just chose that first year, and you guys are continuing to support them. They're, they're my favorite cause in all of San Francisco. Um, and uh, it's very cool that you can continue to celebrate what that organization does. That's perfect timing. You're doing your job better than me. I just got off a call with Carrie Kirby, who's who's their kind of uh, new director of events and, and working closely with us of how we're going to roll this out and make sure that Edgewood is still a big part of, of this event. And that means donations to help people can fundraise for them in this virtual in this virtual space. Sometimes it's even more impactful. Um, when you're doing it on your own so yeah and jt yeah. all that information is going to be up on the on the website when it's available i'm sure right absolutely we will have kind of a virtual run playbook is what we're calling it of how you do it best ways to do it different ways to take part um but yeah i i think we kind of knocked this one out yeah 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 for sure you're talking about the podcast or you're talking about the event? absolutely dave is there anything else we need to that we need to cover since you've been doing this longer than both josh and i um I think we got it. 
I think I, I don't know if Dave's I don't know if Dave's thinking about it. Or we lost him or or the whole. Oh, thing. I'm sorry. Did I did I miss a question there? I uh, no no no. I that was a if it was a question. I, I think uh, the, all three of us missed it. <laughs> Uh, I love it. Uh, well, I think that's a great place to end it. Um, Dave, thank you so much for being on our Run Local podcast. I, this is the perfect way, hopefully, to soften the blow of across the Bay Run going to a virtual virtual uh, format. Uh, really appreciate the history and actually for trusting us with Across the Bay 12K uh, just about five years ago. Uh, so fun to pick up the the torch. Um, and just thank you. Thanks for uh, making this this event so special. Yeah, Dave. Thanks uh, I, I wish you guys all the success, and uh, and I, I really hope that runners, uh, you know, just understand the contribution they can make to um, to the entire community by participating in this virtually. Yeah. Well, thanks a ton, Dave. It's always uh, always a pleasure, uh, always fun, um, and uh, thanks for sharing a bit of the. A bit of a history. Uh, that's amazing. It's great yeah, stories. I loved it. I had a smile on my face the whole episode. Um, on behalf of Josh Muxon and the whole Run Local community, uh, I do have to thank our sponsor, Sports Basement, uh, Amazon, who supports all of our events, Excite Credit Union. Didn't forget about you. For everyone else, we'll be back on another Run Local podcast. Thanks a lot, folks. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Get in those miles. Thanks, Dave.